to Women's Health Weekly from Maiden Lane Medical. We bring you experts from all around the country to help you with your health, life, and happiness. Now for your host, Dr. Kenneth Levy. Well, everybody, welcome to another week of what we find to be an incredibly exciting, interactive, somewhat entertaining, but 95% informative um, show that we do from Maiden Lane Medical every week called Women's Health Weekly. We love doing this. We love having guests on. Dr. Davidson, now we're on, what, our fourth week doing this? I think so. Today we have our guest, Dr. Anat Brower, who is an expert in fertility, an expert in infertility, um, and she works here in New York City, which is where we're broadcasting from today. And I know we have lots of amazing people uh, joining us from all over the world, uh, which we absolutely love. And we love your questions and we love all of the exciting stuff uh, that you bring to us and all the exciting perspectives. But um, Dr. Anat Brower is with Shady Grove Fertility here in New York City. And we're hoping that we bring some, some light, uh, some information, uh, some happiness, uh, some hope to women who are curious about fertility, for women who are curious about potential issues associated with infertility. And uh, we do this in the spirit of Mother's Day. So um, just also by way of introduction, you guys have met Dr. Jeanette Davison already. Um, Dr. Davison is um, a top pelvic surgeon, gynecologist here in our practice at Maiden Lane Medical in New York City. So one of the things I always say at the outset, uh, two, I'll give you two, two items today and then we'll really get cooking. Uh, the first is please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we love to hear your feedback. Uh, we love to hear your questions. If you um, don't get your question answered online today, um, please um, ask us the question offline and we can refer it to Dr. Brower and we can get those questions answered and make sure things, uh, things move for you in the right direction. Um, we have uh, lots of exciting uh, clips and highlights and shorter videos coming up. I understand that nobody wants to sit and rewatch one of our 40 minute videos. Uh, so we, we're breaking them down into highlight reels and uh, we hope those will, uh, those will suit you a little bit better. So let's just jump into it. Let's talk about just the basics. What, what, sure. tell me, Dr. Brower. Dr. Brower, where are you from, where are you from originally? So I'm actually originally from Israel. Um, I moved to Memphis, Tennessee at age 11 um, and then kind of winded my way through, went to undergrad in Kansas of all places and did a master's in Philadelphia, went to med school in DC and then finally landed in New York for all of my training, for my OBGYN training and my uh, infertility fellowship training at Cornell. Um, and for the last six years or so, I've been practicing out in Westchester where I live. Um, and this fall came together with Shady Grove Fertility, which is a very large fertility center that has seven other regions. And we decided to open in New York. So I'm back in the city. Um, I, I'm not originally from New York, but I, I just live and die for this city. And I'm happy to be here. So my life's not nearly as exciting as that. Um, my life doesn't even come close to that. I, you know, I'm, I'm from the New York burbs, went to school in Buffalo and Washington, DC, and now I'm back in the city. Dr. Davidson, how about you? 
same. I'm boring. I grew up in Jersey. I went to school up in Ithaca, and then I did all of my med school and training in New York City for the past 15 years or so. So let's talk about fertility. So first, I just want to, you know, send a message, as Dr. Levy said, of hope to everyone out there on Mother's Day. Um, you know, the beauty of what I do is that for anyone walking in the door, anyone walking in, there's now a way to build you a family. And so if that's something that's very important to you in your life, I, don't give up on it. So that's the, the first thing I want to say. So the definition of infertility um, is basically 12 months of trying to conceive without success. Um, that's that's kind of the basic definition um, for, for you. So that's that's the, the the traditional definition of infertility. Of course, the second question, most important question is, well, when should I seek help? And that varies depending on age. So, you know, if you're under 35, most women will try for 12 months or so before seeking help. If you're over 35, if you've been trying for six months or more, we would recommend that you see somebody or at least talk to your OBGYN about it. Um, and a question I get very frequently is, well, when's the right time to see a fertility expert? And my answer to that is anytime, right? So, you know, I see patients all the time who are in their 20s even, who just started trying to conceive and they've been trying for, you know, six months, let's say, and they just want to make sure everything's okay. And I'll talk a little bit about the workup in a minute. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a consult with someone if you've had concerns about your reproductive health, just to kind of go over the basics of, first of all, how do you conceive? How do you optimize timing of natural conception? And just to make sure everything is kind of normally happening. Um, usually these consoles are covered by insurance. Um, and so there's really no risk. I mean, a lot of people have this misconception that just by way of seeing a fertility expert, you're gonna be pushed directly into treatment. But I actually see a lot of patients who I just counsel them on, you know, optimizing natural fertility check to make sure everything's kind of working and then tell them you know go try on your own for another six months if you're not pregnant you're you're hooked in you know who to who to come back and see those are great points and i think dr davison and i also see this similar group of patients in the office because dr davison and i deal primarily with one of the issues that we're going to hit later that is one of the major causes of infertility which is endometriosis which we'll talk yeah. about a little bit later but just so i want to go back to your definition um yep. so if I'm able to, not me, because I, obviously I would never get pregnant, right? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, okay, good. Now. Sure. Okay, so someone is able to get pregnant um, within within 12 months before the age of 35 and within six months after the age of 35, they don't have fertility issues. Under the umbrella of infertility are a lot of different diagnoses. One of those is recurrent pregnancy loss. So it's not just the ability to become pregnant, but it's the ability to you know, carry a pregnancy to term. I would I would also include that under the definition. Dr. Davison, is that something that you see fairly frequently in the office? I do. Both speaking to the first question, just to go back for a second, I agree with this, just the comment of when to refer patients. I mean, I think if even if the conversation sometimes is just coming up in the office, I think that's even reason enough sometimes to refer patients who have a lot of questions. We do see a specific subset of patients. So this chronic pelvic pain endometriosis population um, many of them, uh, you know, some of them I'll be operating on, others will be undergoing medical management, but we do talk about fertility and many of those 20 year olds, I actually will refer for a consultation. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on this, but now that we also have, uh, egg freezing abilities, it's really relevant to 
identify these concerns and address them and really listen to them because even if it's just for a consultation there's so much valuable information there's so much reassurance that comes from those visits um that yeah i think we start these consultations much earlier than we used to when i first started um practicing um to speak to the recurrent pregnancy loss uh conversation that comes up as well and even though a lot of the components of the workup, of course, we can do, I think that it's it's just a much more holistic, thorough approach to refer a lot of those patients out. Um, so really we utilize this relationship with our infertility specialists so liberally, which is great. So you guys are throwing around some big words. Um, and I think it's, it's important for us to get the patients who are and the people who are out there who are in our YouTube audience um, and who are already asking questions um, to be able to kind of understand some of the things we're talking about. So I really want to flesh out and unpack uh, some of the information of recurrent pregnancy loss, endometriosis, referrals, left and right. Um, let's, make it, let's make it clear to them. Uh, so I'll, I'm actually, I have a set of questions for Dr. Brower, but it looks like you were about to say something, so I really want to hear what's on your mind. Just to kind of like lay the, the groundwork, when I say the word referral, I mean when Dr. Davidson said the word referral, she means, you know, that you see your general OBGYN and they can either do the workup um, or all the tests that I'll tell you about in a second themselves and then send you to the fertility specialist. So that would mean to refer you to the fertility specialist or there's no issues with insurance or you know, anything like that and you want to have like an hour of time to delve into these specific topics, then you can just go directly to to a, a fertility doctor. So, you know, okay. if you look at kind of basic testing of what needs to be done, and OBGYN can do it. I'm sure you guys do it all the time. I mean, when we look at what do you need to make a baby, we look, we want normal sperm, open fallopian tubes, a normal uterus to implant, and normal ovaries with a normal quantity and quality of eggs. And there's very simple ways to kind of test all of these things. That's an exciting topic. One of the things that that obstetrician gynecologist generalist has to do in order to properly evaluate that what should the patients expect to be done and and you know i always say if you if your doctor's not doing x y or z go find a new doctor yep. right so if you wouldn't mind just i'm gonna get i'm gonna get you on two things here one the yep. concept of time of timed intercourse time conception and two what is this in that scenario that i just presented with a woman who's maybe 32 has been trying for a fairly long time mm -hmm. same partner and um she's unable to conceive what are the basics that a woman should expect their doctor to do i'll talk about timed intercourse first um so to understand anything we do we could understand just how a regular cycle works so let's take you know and it, everyone's individual, but in a textbook, when I say a textbook cycle from period to period is about 28 days. When you get a period, you start off with all these little resting eggs in the ovary, and they're housed in little sacs of fluid called follicles. And your brain makes a hormone, it's called FSH, follicle stimulating hormone, that stimulates one of these follicles, one of these eggs to grow. And so over the first, let's say 14 days of your, of your cycle, meaning since your period, this egg is growing and maturing and it's making estrogen, which is another hormone that our body makes. And eventually once it reaches um, a mature state, it ovulates, meaning it triggers our body to make another hormone. The other hormone is called LH that basically leads to ovulation, which means that by the way, LH is what you're checking for in those ovulation kits, if you've ever used those. And 24 to 40 hours after that surge of that LH, the egg leaves the ovary, it ovulates, and now it can meet a sperm. 
your body makes another hormone called progesterone that basically stabilizes the lining of the uterus and makes it prepare for implantation. And that embryo is then able to implant. If you don't get an implantation, the progesterone goes away and you get a period. And that's kind of what happens every month. As far as what your OBGYN, so if you, so, you know, let's say you're not, you know, you can either use ovulation kits where you're trying to time things specifically, right? Or if you have a pretty regular cycle, like 28 to 30 days, you know, you know kind of when you're gonna ovulate, right? It's right in the middle of that cycle. So I always tell patients, count today, you know, 10 of your cycles. So cycle day one is the first day of full flow of your period. Count 10 days from that and have intercourse every other day from day 10 to 16, let's say. And if your cycle is perfectly normal, you should, you should be getting the timing right. Now, let's say you've been doing that for, as you said, in this couple's case, 14 months, and you talk to your OBGYN about it. A good OBGYN would start doing some kind of a workup. So easy things you can do off the bat, check the sperm, right? We always forget about the sperm. As women, we always blame ourselves for not getting pregnant, but at the end of the day, the men are like half, half the, the battle here, right? So a semen analysis is something that's very easy to do. It's non-invasive. It's usually covered by insurance. Even if it isn't, it's, it's not expensive. And so just kind of check that box. You can also do a test called an H, or they should be talking to you about a test called an HSG, a hysterosalpingogram, which is a radiologic test that looks at the uterus and the tubes. It makes sure that your uterus has a normal contour and that your fallopian tubes are open. The fallopian tubes are where egg and sperm meet. So that's why they're very important. Um, and it's basically a test whereby we put in a little catheter and we just, we, we infuse the uterus with dye and we take x-ray pictures of the dye filling the uterus and coming out of the tubes. So with ovaries, we worry about two things, right? Egg quantity and egg quality. So egg quantity, we call that ovarian reserve. You may hear that term sometimes. Um, and, and that's just how many eggs do you have left? Because women are born with a certain subset of eggs. We have six to seven million eggs when we're in our mom's uterus. By the time we're born, we have about a million eggs. By the time we hit puberty, we have about 300,000 eggs. And every month when you ovulate, when that one egg that's chosen to ovulate becomes mature, the rest of them kind of die off. So there's markers that you can look at to see where you are on that ovarian reserve spectrum. And one of the tests that your OBGYN might send is one of those markers. It's called AMH, antimullerian hormone. It's a blood test. You get it back in about five to seven days. And it's basically a marker of how many resting eggs you have. So the more eggs you have, the more AMH you make. That's purely a quantitative marker. It, you know, it doesn't tell me anything about your chances of pregnancy um, in nature. Um, and the, the other part of the equation is egg quality, which is genetics of the eggs, right? So as we get older, not only do we lose eggs, but the eggs that we retain age, they get more and more DNA mutations, which leads to an egg with the wrong number of chromosomes, which either won't fertilize, will fertilize and not implant, or will fertilize and plant and lead to a miscarriage. And while there's no blood test we can do on you to tell you what the quality of your eggs are, we know from testing hundreds of thousands of embryos at different age groups through IVF, that at 30, around half your eggs are genetically abnormal. By 35, it's about 55 to 60%. And by 40, it's about 90%. And that's where the timelines come into play. That's the question yeah. on, on a lot of people's mind based on sure. the questions we're getting here. Yeah, so there's a, there's an, it's not a myth, it's not a myth. There's a biological 
decline um, in the egg quality uh, that can lead to two major issues. One, inability to get pregnant at all. And the yeah. second one, an abnormal embryo. Yes. So, okay. I'm glad. Is that, Dr. Davidson, are those the set of tests you normally order when you see a patient in that scenario? Pretty much it. Yeah. That's assuming they have a, a regular menstrual cycle, which was the scenario yeah. we talked about. Obviously, if there's something else, such as an irregular menstrual cycle, I'm testing, um, you know, various other hormones to assess things like polycystic ovarian syndrome, which um, would be a problem with ovulation. So assuming that there's no problem with the cycle length, then right, you're checking mostly the structural things and then the quantity of eggs. And then we get into a different set of tests when you're assessing for the actual presence of ovulation. So that's an awesome basis. Like, where do people get that information? Right here from the experts, Maiden Lane Medical, Dr. Anat Brower, Dr. Jeanette Davison. Fantastic. That's great. Um, on our YouTube channel, MaidenLaneMedical.com. So, all right. So let's jump into the next sort of section. Um, I'm 28 years old. I've been married for a couple of years. We're ready to start a family. Um, I don't know whether or not I have a fertility problem. I'm not particularly worried about it. Um, what are the things, if any, maybe there's just nothing, but what are the things, if any, other than timed intercourse that you described earlier, what are the things, if any, that I can do diet or lifestyle or exercise that would lend themselves towards improving my chances of getting pregnant and, and if so, getting pregnant even faster? Absolutely. So there are definitely um, lifestyle and environmental implications for conception. Don't smoke. Smoking is one of the worst things for fertility for, for many different reasons. So first, other than not being healthy for you, obviously. Um, smoke, smoking actually, so our fallopian tubes have little tubules in them that help uh, move egg and sperm towards each other. And that's what's required for fertilization. So just like, you know, if you're a smoker and you cough a lot or you get a lot of respiratory infections, it's because the smoke is paralyzing the same kind of tubules in your breathing tubes. And those are the same structures that you have in your fallopian tubes. So smoke is doing the same thing to them. So, so that's like off the bat, you're definitely, you know, women who smoke over time tend to have a lower, uh, faster decline in their ovarian reserve. So, um, so smoking, can you know destroy eggs not only quantity but also quality because smoking can affect dna dna is what all of our cells are made of inclusive of eggs um so obviously smoking um excessive alcohol use uh you know i'm not i'm not i'm i'm someone who's like you know everything in moderation even in my patients who are currently cycling not after you have an embryo transfer not after you have a potential pregnancy but anything kind of leading up to that you know, it's okay to have a glass of wine here or there, but excessive, you know, alcohol use definitely has effect on both egg and sperm. By the way, smoking has an effect on both egg and sperm because that same tubule, the same structure of the tubules and your tubes and your breathing tubes also is on the tail of the sperm. So it can decrease sperm motility as well. Um, so excessive alcohol use, smoking, drug use, obviously um, can have an impact. Um, healthy diet and lifestyle. Women with PCOS have irregular cycles. And part of the reason for that is uh, when I talked about the fact that, you know, the trigger for your brain to tell the ovary to grow an egg is that at the beginning of your cycle, your estrogen should be nice and low. 
What happens in women with PCOS who tend to have these kind of irregular cycles is that they have a lot of estrogen, a lot of estrogen running around. Estrogen's made in two cell types in the in the body. It's made in the ovaries and it's made in fat cells. Okay, so if you have a, you know a higher BMI and and more fat cells that are making more estrogen, the brain kind of sees that estrogen and thinks you have an egg growing and thinks that it doesn't have to grow an egg, and then becomes really inefficient at growing an egg and ovulating it, and that's what makes it so difficult for those patients to get pregnant. So we see in women with PCOS and even without PCOS that you know weight shifts or weight swings definitely affect cycles. So you know kind of staying within a normal range of a BMI, diet and exercise. Um, Prenatal vitamins are very important for anyone trying to conceive, specifically folic acid, which prevents neural tube defects, which are defects of the spine, things like spina bifida. We, we want women to be on the prenatal vitamins, not when they get pregnant, but actually three months before conception um, is something that's very helpful. Other things that have been studied um, in the fertility world are the importance of vitamin D. So we check uh, all of our patients walking through the door. We always check vitamin D on them. If their vitamin D is low, we have a, replete, a repletion protocol. Um, other supplements like uh, coenzyme Q10, which, which is an enzyme that's actually important in energy production in cells. So we have this naturally occurring enzyme in our cells. There's been a, you know, more and more literature on CoQ10 and its importance in reproduction. Uh, you know, a lot of it comes from my studies, so I'm not so sold on it, but CoQ10 is good for you anyway. It's good for your cardiovascular health. A lot of people are on it for that, and it may help in reproduction. So I always recommend um, that as well. And other environmental things are, you know, things like trying to reduce refined sugars, um, trying to reduce processed foods. And there's actually a lot of data on plastics, but plastics definitely have an effect potentially on um, efficiency to pregnancy. So, you know, all of those things are kind of natural things you can do uh, to try to improve um, outcomes in a natural setting. That's pretty comprehensive. That's great. I mean, I think that uh, there are a lot of women out there receiving information that is very confusing uh, and that there's a lot of information on the internet that's that at the very minimum is not just confusing, but actually false. There's yes. actually information that you could look at on, I'm sure, any number of websites uh, that will tell you what they believe, but is not supported by uh, real evidence or real research studies. And that's why we have experts. Um, so that was, that was great. I think you answered this question earlier, and uh, it's something that comes up all the time. Um, how much? Are, how much are the guys responsible for um, in general? And, and what do you do to evaluate that? I think you mentioned earlier, but let's just do a quick, a quick uh, review of that. So we look at three things. We look at um, quantity of sperm. So how many millions of sperm do you have in that sample? Because yes, men make millions of sperm every day. Um, motility of that sperm. So how are the tails moving? And morphology of the sperm. How are the heads shaped? Because the heads have to be shaped a certain way and the tails moving a certain way to be able to penetrate, yeah, to be able to penetrate an egg. So if we see that any of those parameters are off, we, the first thing we do is just repeat the semen analysis, right? Because sometimes it's just a fluke. We want to make sure that you haven't ejaculated in two to three days. Um, you know, so, and, and, and a lot of things can affect sperm, like if you're sick, if you have a cold, if you're tired, if you drink too much the night before, I mean, all these things can affect sperm. So that's the first thing I do. And what usually those male reproductive urologists do is they do a testicular ultrasound 
um, they do hormonal profiles, right? So, so there's different, just like women, right? When women have low ovarian reserve or have a low egg count, we want to know why. We want to know, is it a process that's going on in their brain because their brain makes hormones to tell their ovary to grow eggs? Or is it a process going on in their general body? Or is it a process at the level of the ovary, right? So for men, it's the same thing. Is it a process going on in their brain that they're not making the right hormones that are telling the testicles to make sperm? Or is it a process on the level of the testicle where they're just not making sperm? So, so those urologists usually do a hormone profile and they also do a genetic profile. So, you know, a lot of times men have very, very low sperm counts because there's there's deletions in their in the Y chromosome. So a chromosome, we all have, women have, 46 chromosomes with two X's and men have an X and a Y. And it's that Y chromosome that tells a man's body basically to, to make sperm. So you can have um, uh, abnormalities in that chromosome and a urologist would be able to, and we send that testing sometimes up front so that the urologist will have it, but it's important to test for those. They're called micro deletions. And make sure it's a reproductive urologist because you know, there's a lot of urologists out there, obviously, but not all of them deal specifically with reproduction. So I think that's important as well. So this is one of the unique problems that women face um, that is um, a, a medical issue that sure. is no fault of their own. It's not something a woman doesn't make herself infertile on purpose. Um, it's not it's normal it's both it's socially and biologically normal to want to start a family so it's and it's the one disease or category of diseases um that a woman may have to pay for out of pocket in a lot of circumstances because it's not legislatively required for the insurance companies to cover it um and just the weight of that just even saying that sounds ridiculous to me yeah, I think a lot of that is changing though. So about 70% of my, so we take all the major insurances and because now there's a mandate um, in New York state for coverage, which just happened last year, you know, about 70% of my patients are covered now. So I, I always say, you know, people assume that it's not covered, but you always have to look into your benefits. We have two full-time financial counselors who like all they do all day long is check benefits and, um, and you know, counsel people on them. So about 70% of my patients are covered. If you're not covered, there's also more and more options for you out there now. So there's a lot of grants now that are that are out there. So there's a, a grant that's growing, it's called Baby Quest. There's, there's other, there's the Tanea Cade Foundation. You just have to be hooked into the right avenues to learn more about them. You know, SGF, Shady Grove Fertility as an organization, Finances are obviously very, we take it very seriously for our patients and we have discount programs called shared help where, you know, depending on income levels, you're eligible for up to a 60% discount on your services. We have military discounts. We have, you know, share, something called shared risk, which is a program that's kind of our guarantee program for IVF or for donor egg, where if you qualify, you're basically guaranteed to take a baby home. And if you stop anywhere along in the process, you get all of your money back, which makes it a lot more powerful. Yeah, so it's unique, um, but I think you're gonna see that, you know, more and more. And hopefully you'll see coverage more and more. We really wanna get this information out to people. We really want people to hear about getting pregnant and fertility. Um, again, we have Dr. Annette Brower from Shady Grove Fertility um, joining us with Dr. Davison from our, our very own Dr. Davison from uh, Maiden Lane Medical. 
Um, and again, our YouTube channel is YouTube slash MaidenLaneMedical.com. Please subscribe. Uh, so let's get back into the, into the subject matter. Um, you mentioned IVF. So yeah. what does IVF even stand for? So IVF is in vitro fertilization. It just means that you're fertilizing an egg and a sperm outside of the body. Okay, so what would make you want to offer somebody IVF? Many different cases, right? Every case is individual. But let's say you have unexplained infertility and now you've done three IUIs. That's a good time to discuss moving on with IVF. And that's not an arbitrary number, right? That's based on data. So there's studies done looking at efficiency to pregnancy, comparing doing three IUIs and moving on to IVF versus six IUIs and moving on to IVF. And, you know, I, there's no question that IVF is the most efficient route to pregnancy. In an unexplained fertility situation, you have to look at various different things. You have to look at age, you have to look at your ovarian reserve, and kind of like, the way I look at it is, in my unexplained um, population, is I look at, okay, if I were to end up in the most aggressive treatment category, which is IVF, at what point is my success rate with that gonna decrease? And that's what helps me evaluate timelines. So let's say a patient is 30 years old and she has a good ovarian reserve, everything's totally normal, and she's tried three IUIs and they failed. I would be more com comfortable telling her, you know, your success rate's not gonna change with IVF, even if you do three more IUIs and you wait a few months to do IVF, right? Because at the end of the day, she's young and she has a good ovarian reserve. Whereas my 38 year old, I would be a little more inclined to kind of after three trial of three IUIs, move into the IVF um, category, especially if they wanted more than one child. I'm always thinking around the second about the second baby. If they get pregnant tomorrow at 38 with the first baby and they require IVF for the second baby, now they're gonna be 40 when they come back and their success rate is gonna be even lower. So one of the biggest pluses of IVF is fertility preservation is if at 38 you can put two embryos in the freezer, if you use that embryo at 39 or 40 or 42, you're going to have the same success rate as the 38 year old. So those are all the things I talk to my, I look at age, I look at herb and I talk to them about what, what's going to complete you as a family. How many children do you want? Are you going to be happy with one? Do you really, really want two or three? So that's important. So that's for unexplained. Other, other factors are tubal factor, right? If both of your fallopian tubes are blocked or damaged, then it's, almost impossible. I don't want to say 100% impossible because crazy things can happen, but it's almost impossible for you to get pregnant without IVF because IVF allows us to create an embryo outside of the body and then bypass the tubes and put it directly into the uterus. So tubal factor infertility. Um, severe malfactor infertility, meaning if your partner has a very, very low sperm count, those patients also benefit from IVF because in natural conception, even with IUIs, you need millions of sperm to potentially have one make it to the right place. But with IVF, we have the option of using something called ICSI for fertilization, intracytoplasmic injection, ICSI, where we take one sperm and inject into the egg. So you don't need millions of sperm. You only need as many sperm as you have eggs. So those are categories um, that you know we we recommend IVF for. Also, you mentioned endometriosis, right? So we know that with endometriosis, IVF is a we're more inclined to to move to IVF quicker because we know that there's a higher efficiency to pregnancy with with endo. So those are some cases in which uh, I would recommend IVF. Or also, if you have a genetic uh, 
disorder that that you know you want to avoid passing on to your children right so all of our patients and your patients probably get it too have preconceptual genetic testing this is this is testing looking at what we call recessive disorders either these are diseases let's say one of them is cystic fibrosis right if you're a carrier for the genetic mutation that causes that disease that causes cystic fibrosis it doesn't affect you in any way and it doesn't affect your baby in any way but if you have a partner or a sperm donor who also carries the same mutation, the baby now has a one in four chance of having that disease. So you can do IVF and select embryos without the disease. Um, and that's another reason why some people go straight to IVF is to eliminate a genetic disease. I have um, a question for you. Does acupuncture help with fertility? So acupuncture is, is interesting, right? So I'd say about 75% of my patients see an acupuncturist. I mean, not during COVID, but outside of COVID. Sure. Um, if you COVID look at- COVID puncture, they'll have COVID puncture. So there was actually a pretty big um, paper published in JAMA, and that looked at IVF treatment outcomes and acupuncture and showed that it didn't make a difference. But my view on acupuncture is, I think it's a great tool for a lot of people. And if you feel like it helps you gain control of the process, um, if you feel like it relaxes you, I think it's very, very helpful. If you feel like it stresses you out because there's more needles involved and it's another appointment and it's more money, then, then I would avoid it. And that's kind of how I look at acupuncture. And for my patients, it helps a lot of them uh, with relaxation and with feeling like- Sorry about that. No problem. And with feeling like they're doing everything they can for their cycle. And there's, there's very little risk involved. So that's my view on acupuncture. So straightforward, um, and I, it's my understanding that acupuncture offers some general relief of anxiety associated with yeah. the process, and I agree. It's a, Absolutely. It makes somebody feel more comfortable, then there's, there's a good reason to do it. Dr. Brower, do you have anything else to add um, as a sort of button-up point that would really be great information for our YouTube audience to hear? Yeah, I think, I think the most important thing to know is there's always a way to make it happen if it's what you want and you shouldn't give up on that and wherever you are in the process whether you're 26 and just like thinking about having babies or you're 42 and 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 are having this like epiphany of oh my gosh i want babies it's always worth at least having a consult right it's so easy to do same with you guys and pelvic pain and endometriosis we're all on telemedicine now you can do it from the comfort of your own home um, and, and, you know, I think it's important just to kind of get that information and a plan is very anxiety relieving. So rather than, you know, kind of driving yourself crazy about it, talk to a doctor, develop a plan. It doesn't mean that you have to go into treatment tomorrow, just develop a plan. And I think you'll feel like you have a lot more control over the situation. Dr. Davison. Um, I agree. If you're seeing us in the office, even for something unrelated, if fertility, even if you're 23, is on your mind, um, particularly if you have some sort of underlying um, cycle irregularity or pain issue, or even if you're just a healthy, regular person and fertility is on your mind, it's never too soon to ask us about it. It sometimes feels like the elephant in the room, but we're more than happy to engage. And, um, you know, we have these newer technologies like egg freezing, which we'll talk about in depth another time, but there are, there's a lot more that we can do. And even if it's just a consultation, just that 
relieving, just having the conversation and initiating a consultation um, can reduce so much anxiety. It's really, uh, it's really worth it. Um, particularly, I'll just add that, you know, some of us who practice in big urban places or, um, you know, in New York City, uh, women are, are delaying pregnancies. And it's really relevant to have these conversations just to, just to think about it, even um, if you're not even sure what your own answers are, but having the conversation and alleviating some of that anxiety is really worth it. So we're happy to have those, those uh, conversations at any point. So Dr. Davison and Dr. Brower are both moms, uh, and I wish you both, because I know you're both working moms, and you both work very hard, and you both have young children, so I wish both of you a very, very happy and healthy Mother's thank Day. I thank, thank you both very much for being here, to my wife and to my mother. I wish you both a very happy Mother's Day, and to all the people listening, all our YouTube audience, and all the people who are going to watch this video once it's posted, um, there's hope. Uh, for those of you who are moms already and looking to add to your families, or for those of you who are having difficulty, there's hope and there's light and there's always a way. And I think Dr. Brower and Dr. Davidson have answered a lot of great questions today, and we look forward to future telecasts. Once again, Dr. Brower from Shady Grove Fertility, Dr. Davidson from Maiden Lane Medical, um, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Have a fantastic weekend and rest of the day, and please enjoy your Mother's Day. Thank you.